When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Geelong membership day yesterday, the Bulldogs tomorrow, Melbourne. So a suite of key cats across the station today. The captain is Patrick Dangerfields. The previous captain had a pretty simple word of advice. Mine was for him just to enjoy the moment. Um, don't stuff it up, you know, and, um, you know, just to be honest, have fun with it. I think he's more sort of ready than anyone that's ever done it. Um, he understands how, you know, the whole club works. He also knows how to just go out and perform on game day. I thoroughly enjoyed that he's got the role. I look forward to him doing a great job at the footy club. Um, Paddy is his own man, and I hope that he really does it his way and, and enjoys every moment of it. Joel Selwood on Channel 7 last night. Sometimes the simplest advice is the is the best. Don't stuff it up. Patrick Dangerfield, great to have you back on the program. <laughs> uh, good morning, Jared. Thanks for having me. Has he said that to your face? <laughs> uh, not yet, but I was, I'm sure he's probably waiting for a crowd at some stage throughout the season. <laughs> <laughs> have you had a, a, a moment or a duty yet that you go, oh, right, okay, so I, I'm the captain now? Uh, no, not just yet. I mean, we've got a pretty experienced group, so that leadership, um, I think it runs through quite a few. So I don't think it's necessarily, I suppose, your, your stock standard captaincy with uh, with the experience that we've got. Is it, So we were talking about this with Tom Hawkins on Monday night. Is the club different without Joel? Will it be different? Yeah, I think it absolutely. It's um Joel has this aura that is impossible to replace. Um, and, and everyone within a footy club, for the vast majority, are replaceable. You know, you're a custodian of the jumper and then it's someone else's turn. But there are exceptions to that rule. And he's one of those. So uh, there will never be another Joel Salwood. But, um, you know, it was amazing watching the... Um, you know, the Fox Docker a couple of nights ago, which obviously you're a key part of and just, you know, remembering the guy because all of a sudden footy rolls around and it doesn't wait for anyone. Yes, yeah. The the idea, just one more on Joel, the idea of him being part of the the Australian cricket set up at the Ashes on, on a leadership front, could you imagine that? Yep. Yeah, I, I could imagine him in, you know, ad- advising whether it's, high-level business or it's Australian sports teams or, you know, national sports teams around the country domestically. Um, He has such a wealth of knowledge to offer, you know, more than just football-related sports uh, when it comes to leadership that I think, you know, any Joel Selwood involvement is invaluable. All right, the season ahead. I spoke to Marcus Bontempelli yesterday, Pat, and I asked him whether he aspires to be the best player in the competition. And he does to a degree. Does that still live with you this far into your career? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, it's hard to climb past some of our uh, some of my teammates. They're pretty damn good. But, yeah, absolutely. That that fire still, um, still drives me individually and drives, I think, a lot of players in our team uh, as well. And I think that's a really 
healthy thing to have. I think you've got to have quite clearly the balance of, you know, the the team and the individuals within that and what we all collectively bring to contribute to team performance. But I think it's a really healthy thing uh, individually to have goals in mind around what you want to achieve each year. And, um, you know, I think it keeps everyone accountable to being the best they can possibly be. So how um, how thoughtful are you in preparing your goals individually for a season? And how's that evolved through through your journey? Well, it's definitely evolved. Uh, you have a greater appreciation for everyone's individual performance as you get older and you understand the nuances of the game and how it all works and that connective flow. So that only takes experience. You know, that's not something that, um, well, certainly I didn't, didn't get at, um, at early stages in, in my career. Um, but I think it's, it's simplifying what it is that makes your individual game great and working to that as much as possible. And then now, obviously, within the, within the team structure, that sits within a framework. But we, as much as possible for our players, try to maximise their strengths and what they bring individually to what we are trying to create collectively. And if you have that, then you, know, you, you can pull on those, you know, those individual strings of individual players with what they're trying to achieve to you know, collectively create something great. And I'm I'm no different from that. You know, I want to be as good a player as I possibly can be this t- uh, this year. Um, and for me, as simplicity as simple as it is, it's it's in the contest. It's powerful around the ball. It's all those things, and then it flows from there. At, at 32 years of age, there, there'll be a physical side to that. It is what is your what is your level of preparedness? Probably the best it's been for probably three or four years. I think it's the first. First time, certainly in a, in a long while, where I haven't missed missed a session throughout the preseason, and and normally you'd say oh, it doesn't mean much, but it does bulletproof you for the season, particularly when you haven't had that sort of continuity in previous preseasons. So it's just good to be out on the park. It's one of those things that you, if you miss a few sessions, it does start to accumulate because everyone else that's training is is getting the benefits of session after session. So. Um, Individually, we've you know I'm in a good spot, and we've got some players that have had wonderful pre-seasons that are in, you know, great Nick. Tommy Stewart's another one, and and he's managed to have an incredible sort of five-year block um, with missing sort of pre-season sessions, and this is the first one that that he hasn't missed a beat. So he's he's in phenomenal nick as well. Patrick Dangerfield is the Geelong captain. It's Cats membership day. Be one in hoops in 2023 at membership. Geelong Cats. Dot com dot au. I, I, I think repeat success is the hardest thing in sport. I, I wonder, so when you are attempting to win a title one year on, go back to back. Have you have you thought about it? Have you spoken about it? Have you plotted it? What, what What's your approach to repeat success? I think it's less around, like externally it's viewed as repeat success because you win one year and then you, you know, you follow it on with the next and you're trying to do it again. But internally, it's it's more just the next one rather than we won it last year. Let's do it again because the the group is is vastly different. We've obviously had some some champions leave the club, um, and along with the retirements and the listings that happen, you know, in every season. So the the list does look different, and then we have you know some 
mature East players, you know, that three to sort of five-year bracket, age bracket where, you know, Jake Bowes comes in, um, Tanner Bruin, um, and a few others as well that, you know, we really feel Ollie Henry that can make us better quicker. So it's it's less of back-to-back and more of just the next one for the guys that weren't a part of it. And will that... Is that one of the guards against what colloquially is known as the premiership hangover? Um, I'm not really sure, having never experienced it, Jerry. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's not a spot to be, I suppose. Um, oh, look, to be honest, the, the feeling around the place is not one of, um, you know, how wonderful it was last year and it's just going to happen again. Like we, we are fully aware and we've experienced enough finals and, enough heartbreak at different stages that we know what it takes to, to climb back up the mountain. And that's, that's genuinely what it is. We all start from, from zero points and you've got to scale it again. You know, no one occupies that space. It's, you know, it's fine air for a reason. It's hard to breathe up there. So yes. for us, it's, it's about scaling it again. What will competition for places be like, Pat, and particularly towards round one? Yeah, it'll be pretty solid. We, um, we had a few players missing over the weekend uh, for, for various reasons, but we feel like for the vast majority that the run's been timed quite well. Um, I don't think Big Hawk will play, but other than that, the, the availability is pretty good. Mitch Duncan will be will be touch and go, but but by and large, it's going to be it's going to be on for spots, which is a really healthy thing, and it'll be a it'll certainly be a a vastly different team from the the team that that you know played off in the grand final last year. Um, because you know there's ebbs and flows in form. We've got some players that are in great nick that you know that didn't play in last year's side. So it's a healthy spot to be in. Have you been watching much of the preseason to see what's going on elsewhere? Yeah, I have, and it's. I mean, by and large, it, it, it can be difficult sometimes to pick up the flow of where teams are at because everyone does their preseason preparation differently, and it's unique to every club. But I think most clubs seemingly want to move the ball quickly. I think that'll be a, a great thing if you're a spectator to watch. It'll mean hopefully higher scores and um, you know an intriguing battle in that sense. Um, but I think we'll really get the, the best grasp on where teams are at in the first few rounds of the season. Do you share the view that it's wide open? Jake Nile wrote the piece that he thinks there are half the competition could win it, and that's probably the first time since the AFL was fully formed that, that that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. I remember Scotty last year talking about Port, who had, who I think were nil and five, and they were you know, the best nil and five team that's just about played. You know, it is a really open competition, and if you're not, you know, on the edge of your seat and and playing on the edge, then it, it doesn't matter who you play against. And I think that's particularly uh, evident early, given those teams that didn't play finals have had such a back ended. Um, extended pre-season. They're really humming now. And you'll have teams that have you know, progressed and played finals for longer that are going to take a bit more time. But they're the teams, obviously, that, that perform better last season. So I think always you know, the, the first month of the season, teams are, teams are up and going. Uh, and, it's, and it's anyone's ball game early. And you know, as a team, you're trying to get that flow on the season and into form as quickly as you can. Enjoy the, the last weekend without footy, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on the, the first Friday night of the season. 
Look forward to it, Jared. Thanks for having me. Good on you. Patrick Dangerfield is the Geelong captain. It is Geelong Cats Membership Day. Be one in hoops in 2023 at membership.geelongcats.com.au. The prospect of a test match at the biggest cricket ground in the world and a political rally promises a lot. I'm watching all of Pete Lawler's stuff being posted and it feels like it might be sensory overload. Pete, it's great to catch up. <laughs> hey, I thought I might be the only man from Marrick for the cricket, but, but not this week. Our Prime Minister, Mr Albanese, is going to be here with the Indian Prime Minister. God, what an event it's shaping up to be, Jared. Tell me, what are, what are your first impressions of this gargantuan ground? Oh, it's everything that they said it is and more. You just cannot get over the size. But Gideon and I were driving here, riding here in the auto rickshaw uh, before play, yes, um, and it looms up behind behind a sort of row of sort of uh, old shops, old Indian shops and uh, it's just the biggest thing I've ever seen. And you pull into the forecourt. I reckon it took us 25 minutes to walk around the stadium to get from one side to the other. You should have seen Todd Murphy's eyes when he came out of the dressing room and someone said to him, long way from a chuka, mate. He said, I certainly am. Someone else said, does it remind you of the MCG? And he said, no, it's bigger than that. It's a 132,000-seat stadium. And not just dressed for cricket by what you've been sending through. It, it's dressed for a political rally. Oh, mate, if you could see what I'm looking at right now. So this stadium, formerly the Materia Stadium, has been renamed the Narendra Modi Stadium. And Narendra Modi is the Indian Prime Minister facing an election soon, actually. Um, down at, in front of the site screen at the southern end where uh, is an enormous billboard with our Prime Minister uh, standing behind Mr Modi uh, and a sign that says celebrating 75 years of friendship through cricket. Above that, there are more billboards with uh, the same same images on them. The seats in all the lower decks are all in that sort of saffron, that Indian Hindu saffron. The upper decks, uh, which are more sort of uh, in a traditional Indian colours, are the most vertiginous seating arrangements i've ever seen in my life send in my copy tomorrow this would make this would test tenzig norway's norway's uh nerve frankly i i couldn't get up there I, I seriously could not sit in the top top deck of this day not not near the back it's such a steep drop i don't want to get you into trouble here but does the word propaganda come to mind Oh, just a little. I mean, I'm trying to figure out whether this is a uh, a test match or a political event, some sort of uh, rally. Let's not forget that in February 2020, um, Narendra Modi, whose name is on the stadium and on every second auto rickshaw and every billboard in this country, hosted Donald Trump at this stadium. Now, that's a spectacular event. If you haven't seen that, I, I advise you to go to YouTube and have a look. The event was called Namaste Trump, and it was estimated that over 100,000 people were here um, to see to see the uh, visiting American president. All of them are, of course, Modi fans. Now, I wrote a story last week, broke the story last week, um, that Australian fans couldn't get tickets to the first day of this event and were most upset. Uh, our newspaper paper did some digging around in Canberra and we found out that 
85,000 seats have been set aside for local families, what, what's being said, uh, local families and students. Now, uh, you might, I think, I'm a little bit more cynical and I think they're probably hand-picked Modi supporters that are going to fill those 85,000 mm -hmm. seats. I can't quite work it out, but there's some suggestion another 30,000 seats have been excluded. I don't know what that's about. But anyway, because... Uh, once the Australian government found out about this and found out the, the Aussie fans couldn't do anything, they've lobbied the Indian government and the BCCI. And over the weekend, some tickets were released for Australian fans, which is a good thing. I mean, you come all this way to see cricket. You should be let in. That is the truth. So is there a chance that the, well, I presume there's a very good chance the world record crowd for a day of test match cricket falls? Yeah. Oh. I never believe the hype, Jared. Okay. I, I don't reckon. They're, they're talking 100,000. I don't know that they'll do that. And I'm not actually sure what the world record is. Do you know? Uh, it's the 91,000 and a few from Boxing oh, Day oh. at the Ashes at the G. Well, well, it could be. And if they're here, they're going to be in for some of it because uh, I think both Prime Ministers are allegedly going to be at the anthem. It's very hard to get a straight answer about any yes. of this stuff. But my contacts are telling me both prime ministers will be there for the playing of, an, of the anthem, which is not unusual in Australia, but is unusual in India. You only have a, the anthems at the start of a series in India. And then we watched this morning as a little sort of gold-plated vehicle did a lap of honour with two men standing in the rear seats. Now, we're, we're hearing that presumably those two men are standing in for... Mr. Albanese and Mr. Modi, who are going to do a lap of honour on the morning. Can't guarantee it, but that's what it looks like. There was also an army of people, like a huge pack, who are both the um, advance parties for the Australian and Indian Prime Minister, just to make sure that everything goes tickety-boo. Ted? It's... It's an incredible backdrop for, for a day of cricket. So last year, Australia played cricket while there was a a revolution underway in Sri Lanka and they could feel it and hear it and see it. And now they're going to be party to, to something rather remarkable, obviously in India. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think about it like the Todd Murphy, a kid from, you know, up on the Murray river, who was basically playing in Bendigo a couple of years ago, wasn't he? And he's sort of been dropped into this series, which is make your head spin anyway. Now he's been dropped into this this event, this day of cricket, and with the with the series kind of in the balance, 2-1, it's fascinating. And there is a little bit of cricket news I can let you in on, Jed. The Australians, when the Australians arrived, they couldn't quite work out which pitch is being prepared. Um, word is that there's a 60% chance one pitch will be used, a 40% chance the other pitch will be used, and an outside chance it could be another one. There are three pitches being prepared. And as I look out now, they've all got covers on them. There were reports in the Indian media ahead of the indoor match that exactly the same thing happened. And um, like Goldilocks, the Indian team, the Indian coach comes out and chooses which, which seat's the most comfortable or which porridge is not too hot. My, oh, my. So Rohit Sharma was protesting that too much is spoken about uh, when pitches are unveiled in India, and then and then they go and do this. Well, what do they expect? What do they expect? 
I have some sympathy. I find myself talking about pictures. I find myself going mad talking about pictures in India. I want everyone just to sort of play. Oh, well, it is what it is. Play on it. But there's always a yarn around the pitch. I mean, I've got another story uh, in, t- in the paper today saying the people at the indoor, um, at indoor, the, Mar- the Mar- sorry, Madhya Pradesh Cricket Association are saying, it's not our fault, the pitch. We just did what the BCCI told us, which is that is actually what happens. But unfortunately, in a situation where the ICC sanctions sanctions the pitch, it's the local cricket association that cops the sanction, and it's in danger of losing test matches. By the way, I, I'm hearing that the BCCI are appealing against that um, poor rating for the pitch. Uh, that, it was such a smoking gun story, Peters, to read the quotes from the, the Times of India in your piece. MPCA has no role in making the pitch. BCCI curators come and they get the direction from BCCI along with the Indian team management. <laughs> you couldn't spell it out more clearly. And how hilarious that they, you then end up losing the pitch. I mean, losing the test. They've overcooked all three pitches, but as I you know, and, and it's gone against the toss every time, Gerald. I mean, you, you kind of expect in these conditions that that uh, the team that wins the toss wins the match. Well, it's counterintuitive. I mean, it's come, it's come back and bitten them on the behind. Um, it, it's bizarre. But the, the disappointing thing is, is my maths wrong? Have we missed seven out of 15 days cricket because all the matches have ended early? Yeah, so we, we've, had, we've had nine um, each oh, sorry, test has gone three sorry. days, so we've missed six days of cricket. And, six and days, portions. yeah, there you go. I'm yeah. hopeless. Hopeless at maths, Jared. sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I better go and fix that story. <laughs> <laughs> How significant does the test match feel, Pete, both for the venue, for the occasion, for the series, and for what Australia's just done in indoor? It's, it's a massive test match. <laughs> it's a test match worthy of this stadium, frankly. Um, look, uh, in India, uh, I'd say it time and time again, I can't re-emphasise it enough, winning a test match in India is like winning a series. Back when Steve Waugh was captain of Australia, he said they wanted to win a series in India because they used to win the odd test match. These days, India have been beaten three times in the past decade at home. So just to win that first one is amazing. The amount of pressure that puts back on the home side it's just next level, particularly given that the, this whole event's been turned into a sort of a, a political rally or a political event. Um, you just wouldn't want to be the Indian team. And you wouldn't want to be making any mistakes in this situation. Like, what are the consequences going to be? Indian politics and Indian cricket are in lockstep. Having said that, I just... I just noted before that Mike Baird was out there in the middle to form a New South Wales Premier, who's now the um, chair of Cricket Australia. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> just noting. Just noting. Yes. <laughs> What's victory done to the morale of the Australian team? I think I think it's um, it's been a vindication for them. That's the word that they used. That they came here with certain plans. That people questioned their plans after the second test. Said that they needed to to do this and do, not do that. And they said, and they stuck to their guns. They admitted that that their own. That, they concede that their only mistake was varying from their initial plans. That said, I don't think it was in their initial plans to have Kuhneman and Murphy playing this test match. 
or Travis Head opening or Steve Smith captaining. I think they're all um, obstacles that they've embraced. But the way that they have played these test matches, they've stuck to their guns and they've won a test match. And um, you can't do much better than that when you come to India. You've embraced all that's been before you, Pete. You are one of the great travellers. I know that firsthand. Um, I don't want to steal any of the thunder from cricket, etc., which has been the most glorious diary. Never mind the the, the cricket days are boring days on your podcast. <laughs> it's, the real action is between test matches. How was the overnight train from indoor to Ahmedabad? Apologies if my voice is a bit croaky. <laughs> I've been in the back of too many auto rickshaws in this country and it's very dusty and smoky. It's done me in. Sound like I've been smoking a pack a day, don't I? <laughs> um, uh, I? Look, I haven't been on an Indian train for 30 years. Uh, it was exactly like I remember, only 30 years older and 30 <laughs> years more run down. A great experience to do it with Gideon. As you know, we're very close mates. Um, yeah. In the past, I never got, I never did it fancy like we did. We were in second class aircon reserve, right? So we had like prison issue, prison issue pillow, prison issue blankets, blanket, prison issue sheets, and a, and and a nice sort of comfy bench to lie on, you know, and some curtains. But we shared, we shared the, uh, we shared our little cabin with uh, two other strangers, which which is just what happens on these things. We're not first class guys, Gideon and I. But uh, in the past, I've done it. I've even travelled on the roof through Rajasthan, mate, when I had long hair. And I've, 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 I've travelled on plenty of third-class trains in this country. It, it is as romantic as you imagine. It, it's just great fun. I just you, you get to see behind the curtain of India. You kind of get to look over the back fence and see what's going on in the villages, and, and, and particularly in the morning as we were, as we were coming into Ahmedabad, and the sun was rising and it's all sort of agricultural areas and, and little villages. The dogs were up and playing. There were monkeys running around. The farmers were getting out in the field. You know, the women were washing the pots and pans. Then later on, the kids were kind of walking the country lanes to school. I mean, it's the full cliche, absolute full cliche. I mean, there's a lot of India now that is, you know, five-star, great roads, air-conditioned comfort best food in the world, VVIP status. But it's just re- it's just reassuring to know that, that that India that I love, you know, that beautiful, colourful, rural India still exists. And it was great to see it from a train, especially with Gideon. So how does this city come to have this big a stadium, Pete? As I was just looking it up and the population is not nearly as big <laughs> as other. I'm just so curious as to how this place has got this spectacle. Really curious, isn't it, Church? Um, did you see where the, where Narendra Modi was born when he was doing the research? <laughs> so one plus one did equal two. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, look, I, I'm actually that might actually I might be being too cynical there. Maybe this was built before then. But uh, look, this this is a, a centre of political power in India and and naturally in Indian cricket. I'm. I might retract that. Maybe it was built before Modi came into power. In fact, I think it was. But uh, look, it's the home of Modi. It's the home. It's the home of the BJP. Um, and good luck to them. Good luck to them. They've built. They've built this fantastic metro system that runs to the ground. The economic changes that this prime minister has driven have been extraordinary. You know, I've been coming here a long time, and India is advancing spectacularly. Um, 
and it's been great for a lot of people. The, the middle class has swelled like like no other middle class in the world. Um, people have got nice cars, people live in nice homes, and they're finally getting good roads to drive in. The public trans transport's outstanding. I mean, big tick to big tick to the economy in this place, and and ha- it's come on in leaps and, and bounds in the last since I first visited. It's been great to travel vicariously with you, Pete, and then have a few days with you. You found all the right alleyways, all the right little restaurants, all the right trains, as it turned out. Are you up for the big finish? God, I tell you what, the petrol tank's empty, but I looked at Gideon just before and I said, it was worth hanging on for this fourth test, wasn't it, mate? He said, yep, this is going to be a ripper. So, yep, I think we'll, God willing, we'll get through this one. Pete, great to share it with you. Thanks for sparing a little bit of your time. I look forward to the broadcast come Thursday afternoon. I suspect it will be a day of cricket that will be like unlike any that we have encountered before. Thanks, mate. Wish you were here.